Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest on the Football Digest. We're here with another night of Tuesday Night Football for you but fortunately it's no longer the international break and we have some DC games lined up. It's obviously the Champions League tonight and there's a huge game for Liverpool out in Spain. And we're also going to go through Bruges v Man City. Possibly not quite as big that game, but still obviously involving a Premier League team. We've just been speaking off camera before because we all used to work in the office together and we haven't seen each other for ages. But if we cast our minds back to the 12th of March 2020, this was basically the last game, I think, with a crowd before COVID. Am I right in thinking that if if I cast my mind back to to then? Um, Obviously, a lot of water under the bridge since then. But in that game... Atletico Madrid beat Liverpool 3-2 to progress on aggregate, but obviously wasn't the biggest story of the day with uh, the entire world then uh, you know becoming COVID-infected and actually that game possibly pain, playing a little part in that. Um, but there's, there's a little bit of needle there. I don't know if you guys have seen the press conference before. Diego Simeone was asked what he thought about Jurgen Klopp's criticism of his playing style and he just kind of sat there and said nothing and then laughed. And it was a little bit funny because they actually translated that one word answer into Spanish after. Um, but not something I was actually aware of, to be fair, until I heard that press conference, Klopp's criticism of Simeone's style. Obviously, we all know his style. Um, and he will, even though they're at home tonight, he will likely try and employ you know, a, a similar ploy in the game tonight. But if we start with this game, Darren, out in Spain tonight, it's at Lego Madrid v Liverpool, as we say. Um, the group game, it's a very tough group, um, containing AC Milan, Liverpool, Porto, and Atletico Madrid, um, Liverpool kind of just came through against AC Milan and then they hammered Porto, as they always do. Um, but do you see this as their toughest test so far in the group? Definitely. Um, I think, obviously, uh, the League of Champions, Atletico, as you said, there's a bit of needle there. I think uh, Simeone really got under Klopp's skin two years ago. Um, and, you know, they, by all accounts, they deserve to go through in the in the. Um, clash in Spain they did a number on Liverpool sat up shut up shop and was a bit of a smash and grab and I think tonight um, could be pretty similar uh, you know Atletico got some great players still Griezmann Suarez all look to do some damage um, and I think when you look at that group you know Liverpool made pretty light work of Porto as they always do but um, Atletico definitely the team that stands out that you would imagine would give them more problems than the other two have so far. Alex, how do you see this game? Obviously, Liverpool are in you know fantastic form, but Atletico Madrid are as good as they always have been, as Darren says, the League of Champions, and they've got some fantastic players. Um, I've, I've not even looked at the odds, but do you see Liverpool as favourites for this game, or do you think Atletico, you know, with that pedigree, it's kind of even, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I think... You said earlier it's a difficult group. I personally think these two teams are are quite a way above the other two. I think, obviously, Porto, we know Liverpool tend to smash them every time they play. Um, 
obviously AC Milan have got a prestigious name, but I don't think they're anything like the Milan teams we've seen in the past. So I would see these two teams fairly comfortably going through. Um, and for that reason, I think they'd both be pretty happy with a draw here. Um, maybe with Atletico, got a bit more motivation to go for it and win it with them being at home. But it should be a really fascinating encounter. Like you, like you touched on earlier about the game just before COVID, it's a bit of a shame that that's now remembered as for that reason, because it was a fascinating, typically brilliant uh, evening of Champions League football where we saw two contrasting styles, two managers who clearly don't really get on and get under each other's skin. Um, so it is a shame that that's been overshadowed by the events that followed. But I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I think there's loads of good storylines. Obviously, Suarez going up against his old team. He's been banging them in again recently. He'd love to prove a point and score again against Liverpool. Um, obviously, with Liverpool being in incredible form recently, you just can't stop scoring. Going up against the typical Simeone warhorse defence will also be another fascinating thing to watch. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, Darren, we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but it's a, a ground with probably mixed emotions due to Liverpool's recent history there. They, they won the Champions League there in 2019. Um, and then in the game before the 3-2 loss at Anfield, I think I think they lost 1-0 in that first game as well, if I'm right in thinking. Can't quite remember. But that, that two-legged, obviously this is only a group game and, and, as, and as Alex says, um, both teams would probably be happy with the draw. But Darren, what are your memories of that two-legged tie and do you think it will be a fairly similar game this time around? My memories of it, of the first leg is Atletico scored very early and then they were happy to sit back and defend. Um, Liverpool dominated, but they were going for a little bit of a low at the time and they struggled to really break Atletico down. Coming back to Anfield, Liverpool were on fire, and I, you know, I think we went one nil up, and I thought, you know, this is going to be, you know, we're cruising through here, and then two mistakes from Adrian um, handed the tie to Atletico. So, I think, you know, Simeone knows how to set his side up against better opposition, which you know, Liverpool are a better side than Atletico, but. Um, on the night in Madrid, they were certainly the better team. They played the game better than Liverpool did. Anfield, Liverpool were the better team, but two mistakes cost them. Um, I think it's going to be a difficult, difficult tie for Liverpool to get through. And I think a draw club would probably take that now because, as I say, away in Madrid, it'll be his toughest game of this campaign. Uh, and you mentioned it before, Alex, but the, the return of Suarez, how much of an impact do you think that'll have on the game? Obviously, he's a little bit older now. He's, he's probably not quite um, the player that we saw, you know, tear it up at Anfield in the Premier League and then and then at Barcelona after. But there's obviously still a very good player in there. And I don't know, it just strikes me as the sort of player who would absolutely love to score against one of his former teams, even, even if he did kind of enjoy his time there. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't he just... Uh, I mean, yeah, you say he's um, he might be slowing down a bit, but I think he's still he's still managed to score quite a few early on this season. So, listen, he's not it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime quickly, and he would absolutely love it. I mean, him against someone like Van Dijk will be a, a fascinating duel. Um, I think one thing to mention about this game as well is obviously both teams have got a massive game at the weekend with Liverpool playing United. Uh, Atletico have got Real Sociedad, I believe, who are currently top of La Liga, um, who are chasing them down. So. I don't know if both managers might have one eye slightly on that those two games as well. Um, I'm not saying they're going to rotate or anything, but again, the players might in the back of their head be thinking, well, if we can get a draw out of this um, without any massive damage to us and then really focus on the weekend, they again might be might be pretty content to do that. But 
Who knows? I mean, it could be we could, we could be in for goals with Suarez and um, Salah on great form, but then again, we could be in for a stalemate. It's one of the uh, one of the most fascinating games I think in the Champions League so far this campaign. Uh, Darren Liverpool will be buoyed by the return of, of Alisson and Fabinho. Obviously, they were away with Brazil; uh, they didn't play at the weekend. And I think they've actually been in Spain for a few days now. I think they went straight from international duty to Spain for this game. And um, obviously, Liverpool. Didn't really seem to miss them at the weekend, to be honest. But then again, it was against the Watford side who um, were, were very, very poor. But for a huge game like this, and obviously with a few days extra rest as well, how important do you think Alisson and Fabinho are? Of course, you've just mentioned before that Adrian um, made some mistakes, which led to Atletico going through um, in 2020. So how big do you think that these two returning for Liverpool is? I mean, it's huge. They're very important players for Liverpool. Um, when I actually saw they were not going to be featuring against Watford, I was slightly concerned that was a potential banana skin. Watford, new manager, um, coming off the back of an international break, I thought there was a potential for a slip up there. But fortunately, Watford were pretty abysmal. Um, and, you know, Kelly had come in, did well in goal. And Liverpool have got, you know, plenty of good midfielders to cover Fabinho. But he's going to be massive tonight, I think. When you've got the likes of Griezmann, Jao Felix, Luis Suarez. I mean, I'm sure they're not all going to be playing at once, but when they're buzzing around in those areas in front of the back four, that's when you need the likes of Fabinho in there to, you know, put his foot in and break things up. Uh, and, you know, with regards to Alisson, you know, with Adrian's mistakes last time, we can't, you can't afford things like that in the Champions League. And he, I think he uses calm over the rest of the team. Liverpool have been looked solid with Matip and Van Dijk at the back and I think adding Alisson and Fabinho to that should hopefully um, help them keep a clean sheet. Uh, we, we just touched on the the needle between Klopp and Simeone there, Darren. I think it's quite unusual for Klopp actually to sort of, you know, be enemies as such with the manager. He seems quite pally with Guardiola. He's, you know, he doesn't really seem to have any enemies in the Premier League. Do you think Simeone's got his number a little bit? Do you, th- do you think he's getting under his skin a little bit too much? Yeah, definitely. I think Klopp's very, um, I think he appreciates managers who like to play good football. And I think that's why Simeone got under his skin a bit because he was happy to not play football when they played last time and just win the game. And, you know, they've done it. They, you know, they, 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 he did have Klopp's number that time. I think Liverpool will be a bit wiser this time and I think Klopp will be as well. But it's it's interesting because you, you don't really see Klopp get agitated on the sidelines with another manager too much. So it's certainly uh, interesting for us to watch. Alex, what's your views on that? Because I know you follow probably more Spanish football than uh, certainly me. Um, but Simeone getting under people's skin, like that's what he lives for, isn't it? Like he absolutely loves this stuff and he'll probably see this as a massive victory in some ways. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, it's interesting to think about it, actually. The only other manager I can really think of Klopp having a clash with is uh, Sean Dyche as well. And I would not want to compare Atletico with Burnley. Um, but <laughs> in terms of the style of football, you could argue not the prettiest, but can be very effective. Um, and yeah, listen, like I said earlier, it's, it's a fascinating tactical duel. There's no right way to play football. And as Simeone and Atletico have proved in the past, it can be very, very effective what they do. I mean... They won the Liga last season. They've been to two Champions League finals recently. He's no mug and he knows what he's doing. Um, and yeah, I think I think he's the sort who absolutely loves winding up people. And if he can get under Klopp's skin, that would mean, mean a lot to him. It'll really, really make him quite happy, I'm sure. Uh, one player who will probably have a huge bearing on proceedings um, is Mo Salah. You know, obviously we'd expect him to start. He pretty much starts every game this 
you know, these days, um, he was absolutely fantastic at the weekend. He got man of the match, despite the fact that Roberto Firmino scored a hat-trick, uh, which is incredibly unusual and just goes to show the, you know, the impact that he had on the game. Um, he scored what might be the best goal of the season, but if it's not, then it'll be the other goal that Salah scored against Manchester City. And you can't even level it at him that he can only score those goals against Watford because he did pretty much exactly the same thing against Man City. Um, the, all the talk about him at the moment is him being the world's best player. Um, Darren, do you think that he is the world's best player at the moment or are we kind of just viewing that with our Premier League, you know, rose-tinted spectacles on or something like that? I think on current form he is. Um, you know, obviously you always have to bring someone like Messi into the equation, but I think Salah has been performing at a high level for the last few seasons. And, you know, we talk about his two goals in the last two weeks, but he scored a similar goal, if I remember rightly, against Tottenham not too long ago in the last minute. Um, there aren't many people who can score goals like Messi and Salah. The only two really you can kind of think of who do score goals like that regularly. Um, but it's also his all-round contribution this season. I mean, even last season, he was... You can actually say Salah had a good season last season, which is remarkable when you consider how bad Liverpool were over the whole season. And then this season he started, you know, he's been in in incredible form and it's not just his goals as well. It's also the, he's been, you know, he set up Mane on Saturday with a brilliant assist. He's, you know, he's hold up players. Amazing. So I think he's going to be massive for Liverpool if they're going to win trophies this season. And I think he, he's really stepped it up a level. Alex, what's your view on how good Salah is? He, uh, for me, these days, he almost looks like, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to put him on the same level as a prime Cristiano Ronaldo, but the way that, you know, he's built himself physically and, you know, the, the almost confidence bordering on arrogance. Um, what do you think it is that's got him to that level? Because when he was in the Premier League previously, he was kind of, you know, a flair player who was maybe a little bit flimsy um, and didn't have that much end product, but now he's just a complete package. What do you think it is that's got him to the level that that he's at today? I think Jürgen Klopp's got to take a, a lot of credit for that. I think he does seem like one of those players that, that needs a manager who really believes in him, that, that says to him from minute one, right, you're going to be my main man. Um, even if you have a little patch of, of poor form, I'm still going to trust in you and, and play you. And I think is it, what, what amazes me is, is, is just his consistency. I mean, everyone's going on about him now and kind of giving him praise at the moment, and rightfully so, but... Over the last, what, four seasons, he's just been incredible every single time. He's never really gone for a, a dreadful patch or anything, um, which, is, which is the most incredible thing. I think, obviously, playing alongside Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, they know how to bring the best out of him as well. And not just that, but I believe playing in front of a crowd, he's one of those who really thrives off, off playing in front of a full house. Whips the show Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he's, he's a showman. He's a showman yeah. like, like someone like Ronaldo. And... Maybe playing in front of empty stadiums, you saw a little bit of a dip in form. Um, and now now he's back in front of a full house, in front of a buzzing crowd. He seems to be back to his very best. And uh, yeah, in terms of his competitiveness, the, the sight of Harry Kane winning the Golden Boot last season probably hurt him. He's probably desperate to come, come back and get that back off him. And uh, on current form, you'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to bet against him doing that. Just to finish on for this game, Alex, um, <laughs> I jumped on... Uh, to a chat just just before because I realised that our researcher Ned um, had put on the list that Atletico hadn't played a game since October the second, and I didn't know why. I was like, Alex, why 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 haven't they played a game since October the second? So for those of you who aren't aware, Atletico haven't played a game 
since October the 2nd. Alex, can you first explain why this is? Um, and then also whether you think it will be you know, a hindrance to them because it is obviously a very long time or whether having all of this time to focus on Liverpool will actually help them. Yeah, so basically it's because La Liga are much more helpful to their teams than uh, the Premier League are, you could say. So both Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid um, requested to have their games postponed last weekend due to the uh, South American international break. They're both missing key players. Um, and the Liga actually did accept that request. So as a result, they didn't play this weekend. Uh, whether I think that will help Atletico or not, uh, it might do. But we all know that Simeone keeps his players extremely fit. Um, so I don't think it, there'll be any rustiness. I think they'll be raring to go. Um, it'll be a massive game for them in front of there. We know that stadium can be absolutely bouncing. It's a really good atmosphere. So in that aspect, maybe, yeah, Atletico do have a slight um, advantage over Liverpool, maybe being that slightly bit fresher in front of their fans. But um, we shall see. We shall see. A fascinating night ahead. I suppose what might play in Liverpool's favour is that they did literally just sweep Watford aside at the weekend. So it wasn't... You know, the toughest of tests. Um, but going on to the, the next game tonight involving the Premier League side, Darren, is, is Club Brugge Man City. Man City, you know, in, in the last round, they lost to PSG. I thought they were actually, the, the, you know, the better side. It was, it's almost become a cliche, but City are very good, but they don't have a forward. Um, although, where well, they do have a forward, it's Gabriel Jesus, but they play him on the wing, which is, you know, another question in itself. Um, but tonight... Guardiola side expected to get a win. Do you think it's almost like a lose-lose situation for them? You know, if they win, then they're expected to. If they lose, then it's obviously pretty, you know, horrendous for their for their chances of qualification. I think so. But, um, you know, that's the pressure that comes with playing for Man City these days. You know, they're expected to put teams like Club Bruges away. Um, and it was not going to be easy. You know, Club Bruges picked up some decent results. Um, you know, Man City have been in good form though. So I don't... I don't see them uh, struggling. I think they'll dominate the game, but it's whether Club Bruges can get something out of the game, which is what they've done in their last two games. So it would be definitely be tricky for them. Darren mentions it there, Alex, but Bruges have drawn with PSG and were unlucky not to win and they beat Abbey Leipzig, which is, you know, quite unprecedented really because, I mean, that, that group, we see that Liverpool's group is probably the toughest. That group is probably, looking down the list now, is probably the second toughest um, do you think there's a bit of a risk if we see some pep rotation in this game? Because as we know, he does like to change his players up quite a lot. And Club Bruges coming off the back of those two results to be full of confidence. Do you think there's a risk that Pep could, you know, firstly overthink it as he likes to do in the Champions League? And if he rests some of his big stars, there could be in for a bit of a shock. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still worth mentioning that as it stands, Bruges are above City in the group. So if Bruges did get a, a surprise win tonight, then City are really in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, that that defeat to PSG has just put that extra bit of pressure on them that if they'd have got a draw they would have been much more calm that defeat just, just makes them slightly look over their shoulders slightly think right we need to get this job done as quick as possible um, so it's not it's not as easy as it sounds although on paper it's just one of those that in my head just sounds like a nil Man City you know you see fixtures sometimes you just think City will, City will walk about 5 nil. Um, that's what we thought could, the weekend could really <laughs> Yeah, true. They either smash teams or not. I know it's, it's a strange one, but um, I would expect Pep to, yeah, rotate. But when you look at his bench, I mean, I think Grealish didn't play at the weekend, did he? So he'll come in. It's not like they've got um, really bad reserve players coming in. They should still have enough to see off his club Bruges side. Um, but yeah, interesting to see what happens there. It could be a potential banana skin or it could be a relatively straightforward evening. You just never know with uh, Champions League football. 
It's a shame that Ferran Torres won't be involved, actually, because he's this sort of game that I think he could thrive in. He was looking so good at the Spain City before he got that injury. So he'll be a blossom tonight, I think. Raheem Sterling might get a game now. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah, if he rotates, he might. There was a bit of a weird story there. Actually, just to link to that, Darren, um, we've seen, obviously, Jack Grealish come in for 100 million and start pretty much every game. Obviously, not the weekend, as we mentioned, but until then, he started pretty much every game. Um, and we've seen Bernardo Silva come back in the side. There was some, uh, you know, transfer rumours linking him away with a move with a move away. Sorry, um, from the club. I, have you been surprised, as I have been, firstly to see Grealish start almost every game and, and Sterling dropped, and then also to see Bernardo Silva come back in to the team, pretty much as ever present as you can get for Manchester City, um, and also be one of their best players. <laughs> I'm not surprised to see Grealish start every game. Um, I think, you know, when they're spending £100 million on a player, Pep clearly loves him. And when you consider that Sterling didn't play a great deal at the end of last season, I'm not overly shocked that he's given Grealish a good run in the side so far. The Bernardo Silva one, I think, is a bit of an odd one because he's been such a good player for City and for Guardiola since he's been at the club. But when I saw, you know, a lot of links of him leaving, I thought it was strange one and you know by all accounts he looked like he was going to go in the summer probably the fact that Barcelona don't have much money is the only reason that he's still at the Etihad but this season he's been phenomenal and I think he's probably you know showing the way for Sterling to kind of say well you know I wasn't particularly happy I've got my head down worked hard and now I'm a big player for my team and you know so if I think Guardiola's welcomed him back into the fold, and now he's you know he's been City's best player this season. Uh, Alex, what's your view on the the Sterling situation? Because he a couple of seasons ago, you know, was the guy pretty much first name on the team sheet, or as first name on the team sheet as you can get at Manchester City, who obviously rotate a lot, especially their forwards. Um, but last season he kind of went off the boil a bit, didn't play as much, and then it was a bit of a shock, really. I think that they signed Grealish for so much money when they have. Sterling, who is arguably better, if not just as good as Grealish, and obviously didn't sign a striker. Um, Sterling did an interview with the Financial Times of all places. Um, either it was at the end of last week, wasn't it? I think, or start of this week, I can't remember. But basically, he said that he would be happy to, you know, move away to, to secure first team football. Which, given his impact over Manchester City over the last few years, came as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, but what's your view in that situation? Do you think it would be good for him to move abroad, which is where he said he, he would like to go? And and also, where do you think he could go? Where could sort of afford his wages? Yeah, it, it is a bit of a weird situation. I thought personally, after the World Cup with his uh, sorry the Euros with his performances there, uh, I was sure that he'd be straight back in the Man City team. But as we all know, Pep doesn't always uh, doesn't always pick his teams like that. He doesn't go off internationals or anything like that. He's got a very clear idea in his head who his best team are. And it doesn't really matter what you do for your country as long as you're not doing it for City. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to see him go abroad. I think it'd be a really fascinating aspect to see him playing for, I don't know, Barcelona or Real Madrid, seeing what he can do in another league. He seems like the sort of guy who would, who would find it quite easy to adapt to another country and would slot in pretty well. Uh, it'd be a shame from a Man City perspective. I think the fans are still very much love him. He's a popular figure. He's brought them so many happy memories in the past. But sometimes it's just a, a fresh start needed for all. It seems like things between him and Pep aren't great and there's some sort of tension lingering under the surface there. And no matter how good a player you are, sometimes it's just the need of a fresh start and something a bit different. Maybe he's lacking a bit of motivation, having won so much at City. 
Um, and yeah, it, yeah, it's a tricky one to see who could afford his wages and who would want him. I mean, the links have been to Barcelona, but I don't know how they'd afford him. Um, I don't know, straight off the top of my head, I'm thinking something like Bayern Munich, but they are probably pretty well stocked in that area. So it'd be, uh, be an interesting one to keep, keep our eye on in, uh, in January or next summer. It's interesting that actually when um, Sterling was at Liverpool, I remember him doing an interview, I think it was with the BBC, kind of suggesting that he was open to a move elsewhere. And that summer he then moved on to Man City. So I don't know whether he's deploying a similar tactic because he just fancies a, a new challenge now. Yeah, he could well be. I mean, I, he, that's a good point. Actually, I think I, personally, I'd be interested to see him go abroad to like a Real Madrid, Barcelona. I don't know. Yeah, as you say, I don't, Alex, I don't know about Barcelona at the minute because their, their financial troubles are well documented and I doubt you'd come on the cheap. But I, I don't know. I just like seeing these English players go abroad. It's something we've never really seen. Have we? We're all a similar age and growing up, they all just played in England, didn't they? Um, so I would personally love to see him go and do it at like a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich. Maybe we could get Sterling and Sane back together. They were they were dangerous for Man City, so maybe they could be for for Bayern Munich as well. But just to touch on abroad, just before we finish, Darren, um, PSG they have Lionel Messi, but it's, they're a strange side. They've, they've got like um, Adrian Gane again midfield and Ander Herrera in midfield. Obviously, two kind of Premier League. Former names who were decent but not excellent, and then they've got this front three, which is just absolutely ludicrous of Neymar, Lionel Messi, and Kylian Mbappe. Um, at the start of the season, they were favourites for the Champions League. Do you still see them as favourites now? Does Messi actually make any difference? Does he make them that much better? They were, they were already, you know, well stocked up front with Neymar and Mbappe. Um, how, how do you view this PSG side? I don't look at them as favourites. Um, I think when you got Messi in your team, you're always going to be you know, considered as one of the top sides. And I think he has definitely made them better. I think I watched their 2-0 defeat to Rennes, which I think is the only time they've lost this season. Um, and he was a standout player in that team. But I do think that there is something that Pochettino has to juggle there with so many good players going forward is how he balances that going the other way. I think there's a similar problem that Man United are facing at the moment where they've got so many great players in attack. but whether he can find the right pieces of the jigsaw. But, you know, saying that, they beat Man City. So when you consider Man City, probably will be one of the favourites for this competition on their day. PSG could beat anyone, but um, I don't see them as favourites at the moment, no. Alex, if PSG aren't favourites, are Bayern Munich. They are currently, so they, they beat Bayer Leverkusen 5-1 at the weekend, Bayer Leverkusen, who are third in the league. And if Bayer Leverkusen had won that game, would have been top, just to give you a, an indication of, how close it is. Um, they're currently 8-0 up on aggregate in the Champions League so far. They beat Dynamo Kiev 5-0. They beat Barcelona 3-0. Um, can you see anybody stopping them? Liverpool did a couple of years ago, um, which was, uh, you know, in the year that they won it, which was actually a bit of a surprise at the time. I think Bayern were favourites then. Um, but do you think that anybody can beat Bayern Munich this year? Yeah, I was just going through their scores, actually, this season. It's like it's like Sunday it's league scores, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, literally, 5-0. They got 12-0 in, in the German Cup, just, just for 12 that day. Uh, like you said, <laughs> being, being Barcelona 3-0, being Bochum 7-0. I mean, things are clearly starting to click under Nagelsmann, and obviously they've got um, a pretty scary front four. I think, yeah, they're always slightly go under the radar, Bayern, in terms of when you're talking about the favourites. You tend to talk more about the English teams. Historically, obviously, Real Madrid, Barcelona, maybe not so much this year. But yeah, look, it's not. It's worth bearing in mind that they are going to be very, very difficult to stop. And um, well, it looks like they're effectively already qualified from their group, really. No, no one's going to stop them there. So they'll, 
have the ability to rest a few players, take their foot off the gas for a bit. There's a high chance they'll have the Bundesliga sewn up pretty early, which will allow them to focus fully on the latter stages of the Champions League. So, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why they can't repeat their uh, their joy of two years ago and go on and win it again. Indeed. Elsewhere tonight, we have Shakhtar v Real Madrid. That'll be interesting because Real Madrid lost their last game, if we remember, to Sheriff Tiraspol, who currently sit top of the group, as I look at it now, with four goals and one against the club who don't even have a verified Twitter account, if I remember rightly. And we've got Ajax v Dortmund, PSG v Leipzig, obviously probably the you know the second biggest game of the night, Porto v Milan, Inter v Sheriff, and Besiktas v Sporting. But if you've made it this far through and you're listening to the podcast, please do give us a five star on Apple Podcasts. That will help us very much to get put through you know, the feed and such. And if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like and a subscribe. Alex, thanks for your time. Darren, thanks for your time. And we'll be back tomorrow with another pre-Champions League show and a review of the results tonight. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching.